Let's try this again. <laughs> Hello and welcome to this episode of All the WrestleManias. As always, I'm your co-host, Tim Hackman. And I'm your co-host, Rich Sigwald. Our episode today is all about WrestleMania X8, a.k.a. WrestleMania 18, and we're excited to get into it. We've got some new WCW talent, our favorite Undertaker WrestleMania match to date, The Rock versus Hulk Hogan, and some truly terrible musical performances. So let's not waste any more time. Hit that theme music, Rich. Welcome once again to all the WrestleManias. Uh, before we get into this episode on WrestleMania 18, let's catch up on some wrestling and podcast news. So, popcorn matches. Uh, if you've read our blog at all the WrestleManias.wordpress.com, you know we have occasional pieces that we call popcorn matches, where we get into something tangentially related to WrestleMania. In the past, we've covered all the ways that Hulk Hogan is actually a heel, the rise and fall of the gimmick, wrestling lingo, happenings in WCW, and more. We've got our first popcorn podcast matchup now on classical music and wrestling and more coming soon for Black History Month on African-American representation at WrestleManias. Email us at WrestleManiablog at gmail.com or tweet us at, at WrestleManiapod if you have any topics you'd like us to tackle. Thanks, Rich. And those, uh, those popcorn matches have been a lot of fun to kind of dig into some of these slightly off-topic off topics, especially the wrestling lingo ones are the ones uh, that I've especially enjoyed kind of researching and writing. In some new wrestling news, the 2022 Royal Rumble happened a weekend ago. And uh, like most things the WWE does these days, I'd say it was a bloated, confusing mess with a handful of highlights. Uh, big shout out to Roman Reigns and uh, Seth Rollins for a killer match uh, between those two. Some fantastic storytelling. Uh, we don't really need to get into the event itself here, except to say that it obviously has ramifications for WrestleMania, since the winner of the Rumble match itself becomes the main event. Uh, which will be Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania 38. So, of course, WrestleMania then, uh, WrestleMania 38, will be happening the first weekend in April uh, on the blog. Last year, we did some previews and recaps for WrestleMania 37. So we'll be thinking about the best way to bring you that information in our new podcast form. And as always, you can tweet us at WrestleMania Pod if you have ideas for that, things you'd like to see and hear us talk about uh, related to WrestleMania 38 coming up in just a few weeks. All right, so let's get to the topic at hand for today, which is WrestleMania X8, continuing the dubious trend of the improper mixing of Roman and Arabic numerals. It's obnoxious. I, I don't like I, it at all. It's not good. I hope it goes away real soon. Basic details for this one. It was held March 17th. 2002 so happy st patrick's day to this uh, wrestlemania held at the sky dome in toronto ontario canada uh, attendance was listed at 68,237, which was a uh, attendance record at the time howard finkel of course comes out and does an announcement about halfway through about the attendance so everybody can bask in being part of something historic for the sky dome and the taglines for this one there were two there's one is icon versus icon obviously referring to that Big, big match between The Rock and Hulk Hogan. Uh, the other tagline for this one is the absolute best ever. Uh, I'm not sure exactly what that was uh, referring to. So there you go. The runtime on this one is is in that longer territory again. Like last time we had a, a very long special. This time we're at three hours and 43 minutes. And of course, we've got 
the incomparable Jim Ross and Jerry the King Lawler on the mic for this one. So let's talk just a second or two about the background or the storylines for this one. Anything of note, Rich, that we want to talk about? Um, yeah, so this is actually the last WWF WrestleMania. They get the F out after this one um, when their uh, nine-year legal battle with the World Wildlife Fund comes to an end and WWF comes out on the losing end of it. And so they become the World uh, Wrestling Entertainment um, at this point. So WWE is going to be uh, from this point on pretty much. Um, I, just, I would say it's it's been fascinating in recent years to watch the sort of uh, revisionist history that the WWE has put out of yes. that whole thing. It's not that we would lost a lawsuit. It's, you know, it's really that our brand was changing. We, you know, we really wanted to emphasize that we're more of an entertainment company. And also you guys lost a huge lawsuit. It's going to be a bit of a switch. I, I still uh, tend to call it the WWF, honestly, because that's how I grew up, you know, referring yeah. to it. Um, and I wasn't really watching in this period when, when the switch was made. So for me, it's, it's going to be a little bit of an adjustment. It's like writing the last year on your checks for the first, you know, six weeks of, uh, of a new year. Yeah. If I am talking to someone that is a wrestling fan, I will refer to them as WWE. If I am talking to someone that is not a wrestling fan, I will use WWF so that they know that I'm talking about the thing with Hulk Hogan and the rock and stuff. And it's interesting that even some of the creative changes are coming out uh, in this WrestleMania to where you start hearing them refer to the participants as superstars instead of wrestlers and that they're the biggest names in sports entertainment. And I had done a little bit of digging on the phrase sports entertainment and WWE did not create it, but. Uh, Vince McMahon started calling wrestling sports entertainment in the mid 80s, actually, but only in business wise and stuff, because wrestling was starting to get tangled up in other forms of sports entertainment like roller derby. The other thing that was interesting is that in that new Ruthless Aggression documentary, WWF says that the change to WWE was completely voluntary and purely a creative decision. It makes no mention of the lawsuit. Forbes magazine called them out on that, which I, <laughs> I like that Forbes is writing about wrestling. Um, <laughs> Forbes is Forbes is doing the real work of the of the historians, I guess. Yeah. Good, good job, Forbes. So beyond the WWE thing, this is the second time that WrestleMania has been at the Sky Dome, and Hulk Hogan actually loses both times. And both times, it was a bit of a torch passing match. Uh, Hulk Hogan, the first time, lost to the Ultimate Warrior at the Sky Dome. And one other thing that I thought was interesting with just the background of this is that this is the WrestleMania that happens right after 9-11. And there's surprisingly like no patriotic stuff. Yeah, that's fascinating. Honestly, I, th I thought a little bit about the timing and 9-11 and all that stuff. And I expected a ton of flag waving stuff here. Lots of, you know, obnoxious promos and um, that sort of thing. You know, I think back to how how unbearable that Super Bowl was uh, January of um, 2002. I was expecting something similar there. Yeah, uh, this this WrestleMania, they, they didn't even do O Canada or any kind of anthem or patriotic tune at the beginning. And normally there's like God Bless America or America the Beautiful or something like that sung, but uh, nothing at this one. So that's a shame. You know, just yeah. uh, saliva yeah. rocking it out at the beginning <laughs> and obnoxious noise. That's that's seriously, I mean, if we're ready to start sort of the intro to the show, that's seriously one of the worst songs I've ever heard. Yeah. Um, and Saliva, it, it has to be pretty close to one of the worst possible band names you could come up with. I guess Smegma was was taken, maybe. I don't I, know. I guess so. Um, Storylines coming into this WrestleMania. 
So the main storyline coming into this WrestleMania is NWO has been brought into WWF now. And Mr. McMahon hired the NWO as kind of a hitman after seeing what a horrible job they did to WCW and how they tore it up and wrecked it so that he could buy it. Uh, he wants to bring it into the WWF to ruin it so that he can start over without his new co-owner, Ric Flair. Noted Most, business magnate, Ric Flair. Yeah, yeah. Most of the events of this WrestleMania actually just started at the No Way Out pay-per-view in February before it. So at that pay-per-view, The Rock beats The Undertaker and uh, Hulk Hogan comes out and asks for a photo with The Rock for his son. But The Rock and Hogan start trading insults. And then the next night on Raw, The Rock and Hogan have another confrontation where the challenge is laid down for WrestleMania X8. And then The Rock lands a rock bottom on Hogan, and then Nash and Hall ambush The Rock, as expected. Also at that same pay-per-view, No Way Out, uh, Hall and Nash interfered in Stone Cold's championship shot against Y2J uh, because Austin refused their gift of beer. Um, <laughs> Stone Cold turning down beer sounds weird, but... Yeah, I think um, that's punishable by uh, at least at least a flogging in Texas. I don't, yeah. I don't know. And at some point in between No Way Out and WrestleMania, Stone Cold actually kidnaps Scott Hall and some very disturbing torture scenes and stuff and he actually spray paints 316 on scott hall's back at one point duct tapes him to a chair i think right yeah yeah and like throws him in the back of a truck or something too it's like really like creepy stuff like wwf is doing some weird stuff at this point fucking dark Um, because um while we're talking kidnapping the undertaker actually goes crazy and kidnaps rick flair's son right and there's a un- very uncomfortable shower thing like he's torturing rick flair's son in the shower kind of like scarface kind of with the chainsaw and then finally at the royal rumble chris jericho retained his title against the rock and triple h eliminated kurt angle to win the battle royal which set triple h and y2j on a collision course at the sky dome i'm glad that all this stuff is recorded for posterity because i you know honestly nobody would believe us no that this, that this stuff happened all right well thanks for running down the the kind of background the storyline so hopefully we're all caught up so let's get to the let's get to wrestlemania x8 so as we did last time as you're familiar with the podcast we'll sort of run down the the matches as they happen kind of talk about stuff we liked stuff we thought was cool or fun or weird or just confusing or whatever uh and then we'll sort of wrap up with some superlatives so the first one on this one is actually not on the peacock um, it was a match for Sunday Night Heat, which, if you remember, was sort of the the lead-in show on free TV. Uh, the idea was you get so hooked into this match that you just have to kind of stick around and and pony up for the pay-per-view. Um, this one featured Rikishi, Scotty Chuhati, and Albert versus Mr. Perfect, Lance Storm, and Test uh, with Jacqueline as a special guest referee. Um, this is our first Mr. Perfect spotting in, in quite a while. And it's the uh, first time that he's in the ring in forever. Uh, you know, he had a lot of injury troubles and sort of went to an announcer. He went to a guest referee at a few WrestleManias. Um, and so, you know, we're obviously kind of sad to, to miss him uh, from the ring here. But of course, you know, kind of late period WCW Kurt Henning is not, you know, peak uh, WWF Kurt Henning. True. I mean, I would have just taken a match between Mr. Perfect and Lance Starr. Oh yeah, and, man, Storm is great. You know, I never really cared for the whole Rikishi, Scotty Chuhati dancing thing. So, so I'm a little bummed to miss uh, Lance Storm, Mr. Perfect, but I 
not too sad about the rest. All right. So then that gets us to the first like official match, at least according to, again, the Peacock these days. And that is Rob Van Dam versus William Regal for the WWF Intercontinental Championship. So like last time, we're starting with an Intercontinental title match and we're starting with William Regal, just like last time. You remember Regal versus Jericho kicked off WrestleMania X7. So Rob Van Dam is billed from Battle Creek, Michigan, just like Kellogg's cereal, which, which always makes me laugh. That's the, I, I will always forever associate that with Battle Creek, Michigan. There's commercials you write in for the, um, for the giveaways with your Frosted Flakes. Anyway, I, I think this match has, has a lot of potential. So what, anything that you'd like to, to get started with here on, with these guys? They still turned out a really good match, even though RVD seemed to be a step and a half ahead of Regal the entire time. It didn't seem like there was they had quite as much chemistry as Jericho and Regal had. But of course, Jericho and Regal probably faced each other a million times over in WCW, while RVD and Regal probably have not faced off that much. But Regal still is clutch and is a great talent to watch and a great old school grappler i won't go much into that just because we did so much on the last time that we talked about steven regal kicking off wrestlemania yeah he's um, he's always amazing to watch we, we did we did kind of wax poetic about him last time and i'm you know i'm happy to have him i agree i think there's maybe a little bit of a styles mismatch here um and you know like you said rvd just just maybe works a little bit faster than um than regal would usually and so there's kind of some moments where they're sort of out of sync. Uh, I'd say they start off really fast, really smooth. <laughs> Made me laugh that Regal starts like digging in his trunks almost immediately, oh, yeah. immediately for the brass knuckles. Like it's like he was like looking for a, a an excuse to start digging in his trunks on TV. So I'm glad that he's you know he's doing the the good work about advocating for men to do their testicular cancer self exams. But yeah, I mean Regal at this point is extremely dirty fighter. He always kind of has been. But now pretty much his finisher is grabbing brass knuckles from his trunks and punching someone in the face while the ref isn't looking. Uh, Regal, though, showed off some of his really technical skills with a um, very impressive half Nelson belly to back suplex on RVD that just looked devastating. And if he had done that to anybody else, their neck would probably be broken at this point. I wrote that move down too because that that thing was incredible. So if you watch the match, keep an eye out for that. I've never, I've literally never seen it before, and probably never seen it since. So, no, I mean, no one grapples like Regal does anymore. So, and somehow they both ended up bleeding from the mouth. Yeah, I'm not sure what happened. I don't know if there's this like some potatoes happening or there's some sort of equipment failure because I think someone, a couple of other people later in the night also end up bleeding from the mouth. So I'm not sure if like there's a turnbuckle loose or catching somebody, but the color starts early. Yeah. Very right out of the gate. I, yeah, I, I didn't catch it either. I saw that, you know, I saw that obviously they both end up bleeding, but I, I couldn't figure out where it was. I even backed it up a couple of times, see if somebody caught like a boot or something, but I couldn't, uh, I couldn't see it. So uh, RVD, of course, hits his big frog splash this time for the win, um, becomes the new Intercontinental Champion, stands up with the belt and his, uh, and his bloody lips and gums. So uh, great job to those guys for a, a really excellent uh, sort of technical match again to kind of start the show. 
Alrighty, so then we've got a WWF uh, European Championship matched up next uh, featuring Diamond Dallas Page versus Christian. Uh, this is our first in-ring performance from Mr. Page at a WrestleMania. Uh, you know, we previously spotted him at a, a early WrestleMania driving the pink Cadillac for Rhythm and Blues, which was, you know, Greg the Hammer Valentine and the Honky Tonk Man. So that's a, that's a deep cut. Um, that, was, yeah. that was way back when. Uh, JR actually points that out in the commentary that DDP had been at WrestleMania six driving honky tonk man to the ring. So the backstory here is that Paige was sort of a mentor to Christian and they've become estranged. So they've got to fight it out. I have to say that I wasn't much of a WCW viewer. I know you were rich. Um, so I missed a lot of DDP's absolutely huge run in that company in the in the late 90s, uh, mid late 90s. I really like watching him work though now and I'm sort of gaining an appreciation for uh, for him. He's he's huge, but he moves really well. He's got personality to burn. His finisher is legitimately impressive. I, um, so I I think after this WrestleMania, I'm gonna go back and seek out some more kind of vintage DDP yeah. uh, match um, to watch. He's worth watching just because he's he's fairly old. He didn't start getting into the ring until like, I think 35. I think that's when he actually started doing matches before then he kind of did some managerial stuff before that he was a barman. He ran a bars and stuff like that. So he's a radio DJ. Was he a radio DJ too? I think he was talking to us about that on his show. Yeah. Um, He's an interesting guy to follow, but it was interesting that the crowd at this show was not in the DDP at all. Like it was crickets in the, in the sky dome when, when they introduced him and he came out, I'm sure it's a bit deceptive on TV. Cause I mean, it's hard for like 67,000 people to be that quiet. So I'm sure there was some cheering, but uh, compared to like when the rock or Hogan comes out, it's silence. Um, yeah. I don't know. Maybe, uh, maybe something, I don't know. Maybe something else was going on in the state or maybe his, maybe his fame, you know, maybe his being over yeah. just didn't quite translate to the, to the audience there as well. Yeah. I mean, back in those days before the merger, they, people either normally either watched raw or they watched um, nitro. And so it's a good chance that at this point, it's still, the crowd is not very familiar with some of these WCW people besides the ones that had started in WWF. That would have been me for sure. Um, and just a little Something to note that roughly one month after this show, um, DDP suffers a neck injury on an episode of SmackDown, uh, which led to him retiring from wrestling for two years. I guess it was a pretty serious uh, injury. So this is probably the last big uh, pay-per-view match for him before that happened. So Yeah. Um, and Christian, this is like Christian is now gone solo from Edge um, in this match as well. And Christian is doing his um, pouty, spoiled brat gimmick, and it's terrible. He makes this horrible face that, like, he just, like, and he looks bloated, and it's just, like, really dumb. I can't describe it any other way than dumb face. It is. (laughs) Yeah, like he smelled something bad or something. I don't know. I've never really been into Edge or Christian as solo workers, though. So I had a hard time paying attention to this match, and I think that's, that's as well described by the fact that we're just talking about ddp and then obnoxious christian and not really any of the action in this match just because yeah. i i was bored yeah I'd say there's some there's a handful of, of good moves throughout ddp hits the diamond cutter for the finish of course um so we can we can move on for sure but uh like i said i've got some uh, more in-depth watching to do with uh diamond dallas page yeah it's definitely worth a watch so before the next match we get a real quick promo with the rock and coachman 
um, where Rock throws in a bunch of what you're going to do's, you know, in reference to his coming match with uh, Hulk Hogan, uh, I thought was was just beautiful. Actually, I, I got a real kick out of that promo. Yeah, there's um, there's a couple. There's the phrase of a Hulk a stomach and Hulk a strudel. <laughs> And there's just something that The Rock does in his promos, and it's the quick head snap turn that just it gets me every time. And he just yeah. like whips his head around and is like, "Oh my God, yeah, I'm here, I'm here. What do you want to say to me, Rock?" He's freaking masterful on that microphone, and I don't know, you know, I, it has to be, you know, obviously he practices it quite a bit, you know, but he's just got so much charisma to burn. It just comes out on the mic in a way that it does for very few other folks, I think. Yeah. So I will take a a rock promo over a, oh, I don't know, over a gold dust versus Maven hardcore championship match any day of the week. Yeah. Oh yeah. Speaking of which, that's the next match Maven versus gold dust for the WWF hardcore championship. Yeah. So I don't know. In the early two thousands, there was a wrestling reality show called tough enough uh, where they, you know, ostensibly were, were auditioning guys and gals to, become the next WWE superstars. And they had some high profile trainers. I especially remember Bob Holly just slapping the living shit out of everybody when he was showing them how to take chops. Um, yeah. Al Snow was another one. And Al Snow yes. would just beat the crap out of everybody. Like tough enough was part like wrestling training, part watch professional wrestlers beat up normal people and legally. So it was, <laughs> it was an enjoyable show to watch. God bless Al Snow. I, I, yeah, I love that guy. Maven was the winner of the first season of that. And there was a woman who won as well. Um, I looked them both up. Neither of them are in wrestling these days. Um, it's a, that's going to be a shocker, I'm sure. So his prize, I guess, I don't know, is to uh, face Goldust in a WWF hardcore championship match at WrestleMania. Goldust has all of his assorted hardcore accessories painted gold, which was a fun look. I think if the crowd was dead for DDP, it's friggin' dead and they're buried. in line buying more Molson ice at this point. Oh my god, there's that that was maybe the quietest crowd we've heard for a WrestleMania match ever. And I have to sort of agree yeah. that I didn't care about this at all. Yeah, I mean, I respect Maven and but I also have a hard time getting behind a reality show and then the amount of push that he got here. He's also the one that eliminated The Undertaker at the previous Royal Rumble. Oh, boy. And now he has a championship belt. It might be the hardcore belt, but it is a championship belt. It's it's a bit fast. I don't know. He's still a guy off the street to me. Yeah, I'd be curious to... Um you know, hear somebody like the undertaker or, or even gold dust for that matter, talk about, you know, what that, what that experience was like, you know, this watching this guy come in and kind of get pushed ahead. I mean, I'm yeah. sure that happens in a variety of forms on the regular, right? Like somebody's just come in a you know, hot acquisition and all of a sudden they're getting all the airtime, but um, this one, I think, yeah, I agree with you. It feels especially maybe galling to guys that have been putting the time in um, yeah. who didn't win a game show. And I mean, I do respect also gold dust for being willing to work with him and sure. put together some sort of match here. But I also feel like it's a hardcore match to, because you don't need to do a lot of technical stuff. Yeah. Um, that kind of covers up Maven having to like try to lock up with gold dust and like do throws and take bumps and stuff like that. He just needs to like look good getting hit with a trash can and a kendo stick. And then that's about it. Goldust had slimmed down since the last time we had seen him on the show. He looked like he dropped a good 30 pounds and put on a little muscle. Um, I'm not sure if this might have been a time period where he was away because he was in rehab or something like that. Um, but he definitely looks better. Yeah, Goldust, we've talked about before how much we enjoy Dustin's um, work and that character in particular. Um, yeah. 
he's had a good run at WrestleManias. This is this one's this is not one of them, but um, no. I think the big the biggest pop for this one, I'd say, comes from a, a surprise run in by Spike Dudley uh, after the guys knock each other out with the gold trash can lids. So he comes sliding in. So um, yeah, because the hardcore belt is like the twenty four seven belt now. Um, so it's always up. It's always up for grabs. You're defending it constantly, and we'll see that come up a couple times during this show. All right, so moving on, I've got some bad news, Rich. Um, we've got another uh, musical interlude here. It's, uh, hilar- it's hilarious to hear Jim Ross say, here to tell us more is that red-hot group Drowning Pool. <laughs> Thanks, JR. Can, can you imagine JR in his, in his chuck listening to Drowning Pool? I, I'm sure it's one of his faves. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, new metal, I, I think we probably call this new metal, right? That's NU or uh, for, for those who are lucky enough to have missed it or um, not be old enough to remember um, is, is just awful, in my opinion. I think it was terrible at the time. It hasn't aged particularly well. The, <laughs> what cracked me up about this one is that this is this video and song are supposed to be telling us the Jericho versus Triple H backstory. So basically, we're getting a, a music performance and video package or video whatever behind them instead of like the typical video package. Yeah, it, it's not good. It doesn't it doesn't make sense. Like the song doesn't seem to make any real reference to what is happening or make any kind of meaningful contribution to society, really. So yeah, I was I was hoping for some very literal uh, ballad type lyrics about the feud between Jericho and Triple H, you know, set to set to the smooth strains of Drowning Pool, but we didn't get it. But I will say that if you're in the crowd for a show like this, it's probably more entertaining to watch a band with some video flashing behind them than it is to watch like a pre-recorded video package. So maybe we'll give them that. Yeah. I mean, I think they are trying a little bit of like focus on the live crowd, like make it special for being in attendance and not just watching at home where you can pay 40 bucks and invite 20 friends over and everybody pays two bucks and they get to watch WrestleMania. So then we get some more hardcore nonsense backstage. we got crash Holly versus Spike Dudley. Al snow drives a golf cart through some boxes. Uh, Hurricane Helm swings in on a rope to get the pin and the belt um, for, you know, the next five minutes or whatever. Um, I, I know it's dumb. I, I know it was dumb then it's dumb now, but the whole um, hurricane Helms can really fly thing. Just, tickles me to no end yeah um he really sells it he really committed to that character and i think that's what makes it so so good is that you know he knows that it's ridiculous right we know he knows that we know that it's ridiculous <laughs> and yet he still sells it 100 that he can fly and just get out of there yeah, it makes it's amusing laugh. yeah no it cracks me up and he's he's a great twitter follow by the way um, yes he is shout out to been. shane helms on twitter all right so moving on so um, Kurt Angle, who was, I think, our co-MVP of WrestleMania 17 oh, yeah. um, in his match against Chris Benoit, is back. Um, I'd be excited about that, except that he's uh, facing Kane, which I have to say is a mismatch if I've ever seen one. First, uh, there was some someone cut a promo before this, either. I think it might have been Angle. And suddenly, every time that there was a pause in the talking, there was a what? Yes. So I guess we've entered the the what callback era. I love Stone Cold, but I fucking hate that he did this. I know. That, that this got introduced, that this became a thing. And there's it's still happening at some shows oh, yeah. now. And oh, it's yeah. awful. It is it has ruined the promo 
Yeah, I would agree. Uh, any in, any in ring promo that drags even a little bit is going to get wadded to death. Yeah, I got a kick out of um, Jerry Lawler calling Kane old brimstone breath. That was uh, that good. Was, that was pretty good. Yeah, I also like Kane's predominantly black outfit here as opposed to his usual red. Um, I could do without the mesh cutouts that make it look like he's wearing nylons, um, but um, he look he looks super cool. Uh, I don't know. There's, you know, again, this is a bit of a mismatch. A match like this doesn't really play to, definitely doesn't play to Kurt Angle's strengths. I mean, I think Glenn Jacobs Kane can probably do his big monster routine with anybody, but you need a certain kind of matchup to make it sort of compelling, you know? Yeah. um, I felt Angle like normally looks better when he has someone in there that has similar mat training and freestyle wrestling technique that he has. Um, but Angle does have a certain thing to him in the ring that still makes him great, even when someone that he's fighting can't do that stuff with him. And Angle still has a way of using that grappling offense that he does on people that he shouldn't be able to grapple. Like the fireman slam that he does on Kane is impressive as hell. Like Angle is strong. He is really, really strong. Yeah. Um, and Angle has really great facials when he's fighting in the ring. You can, even when he's heel, he looks like he's like really in pain and he's really selling the other guy. He sells it great. And what I thought made this match really interesting was that you can't see Kane's face. So when Angle puts Kane in like these like chokes or like locks and like ankle lock and stuff like that, you can't see Kane's face. You can't tell that he's in pain. And that makes him really scary. Um, and so it was a really interesting contrast to where you have Angle, who is seemingly very human, but very talented and technical versus Kane, a monster that doesn't seem like you can hurt him at all. So I thought it was an interesting little story with that going on. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, actually. It's sort of like the, the Michael Myers or uh, Jason Voorhees kind of thing, right? And it's the, yeah. the blank the blank is, is more um, frightening than than a reaction so yeah there's some super impressive moves throughout this match uh you know we got angle fighting from underneath um kane gets a, a really nice side slam uh, there's a power slam that make the crowd go "Ooh!" at one yeah. point it was pretty great um so for the ending on this one kane goes up on the uh on the top but angle grabs him and suplexes him off of the turnbuckle which again super impressive yeah um, and, and kurt angle gets the win yeah that superplex was was rough um yeah i thought it was interesting that like kane has angle up in a choke slam and wiggles out of it like he reverses a choke slam into like a roll-up pin and then i was impressed that like someone the size of kane was able to like flex himself enough to get into a roll-up pin with kurt angle um so i thought that was that was an interesting ending to that match and it was a fascinating watch um i wouldn't put it up there as like a like a sleeper hit of a match for wrestlemania but it's a good match and worthwhile of like checking out if you have like a free 10 minutes at work to kill off on youtube or something we're advocating for using your boss's time to watch old wrestling so. yeah, fight the man <laughs> speaking of the man let's get to uh the undertaker versus rick flair so i think you know this is um not to spoil anything again um but is really one of my favorites from this episode uh, of WrestleMania. Yeah. Um, I think the, there's some just amazing work from both men, um, both of whom we, we both really like, uh, I think. And they, I think what makes it for me makes it great is that they really sort of each lean into kind of what makes them each 
uh, amazing, right? So the Undertaker is very calm, very cool, very in control. I think with his short spiked hair here, which is the first time he's had short hair, I think uh, in a while he's, he looks extra heelish to me. Um, yeah, he is definitely working very heel here. And so it's interesting to see Flair as a face. Yeah, um, for sure. And it's two veterans at this point. And I feel like they just like, before they came down to the ring, they're just like, this is what we're going to do. We're going to have a fight. <laughs> yeah. We're just going to fight. Yeah, no just... technical stuff. No, just fight. And it's going to be amazing. Let's just do it. Yeah, they just beat the ever-loving shit out of each other. Both of them start bleeding pretty early on. There's, uh, you know, of course, Ric Flair is, is one of the more impressive bleeders uh, in oh, the business. That hair. That hair gets pink, you know, almost immediately. Um, you know, so I think, you know, another thing I really appreciate here is Flair is showing his age here, um, but he's not trying to wrestle like a young guy, right? He's trying to no. wrestle like Ric Flair at age, you know, whatever he is here. Um, and, he, and he's still freaking got it. Uh, and he's he's so good at selling that like i mean rick flair has always said that he's like he's got like three moves he's got the you pull me off the top rope you flip me over the turnbuckle and the figure four everything else is i'm just i'm just selling to the other guy and i'm begging for my life yeah Uh, yeah and he does the you know typical stuff down on the knees hands up that kind of thing those those uh those flat back bumps that he takes um honestly i stopped taking notes on this one because i was so drawn into the uh into the fight you know, as Rich said, between these guys, it's just sort of a, a knockdown drag out. At some point, like you got to look at him and be like, that's an old man. And I'm hitting an old man, um, <laughs> especially when abuse. like you're pulling a lead pipe off of your motorcycle and you're bashing his skull in. Like there's there's something at some point has to kick in. Also, yeah. you know, it's just very fascinating of a match and is so good and so much blood, so much blood, lots of blood. Um so I, you know, I would venture that this is, I think, probably my favorite Undertaker match in a WrestleMania that we've had so far. Yeah, for sure. A lot of what we've seen. Um, so his early ones were very, you know, very, very short. You know, very kind of uh, selling him as you know this new monster and all that stuff. And then, um, you know, somewhere in the middle, I don't know, he, he sort of got lost in the shuffle a little bit. Um, and I think this is, you know, as much as we, I think, both prefer the. Uh, you know, the Western um, actual undertaker, right? The actual mortuary guy, the undead guy. There's there's a period here coming up, I think, this is getting to be the start where he really becomes yeah. like this this main event guy in a, in a big time feature. Yeah, I mean, this is, they're, they're paying attention to the streak now. They're putting them up against some like incredible, like uh, veteran talent at this point, obviously with Ric Flair. And like we see Taker really doing some veteran stuff. So he sells the hell out of Ric Flair's chops. He's speeding Flair down and then Flair just comes out of nowhere and starts landing these chops. And they're like, Taker is just taking them and selling and just looks so great. But then uh, Undertaker just comes right back and pounds Flair into the mat. And it's so it's it's great storytelling of like Undertaker is a bit is muscle. He's muscle now for Vince McMahon and flair is, is a CEO. He's trying to be in the office now, right. Instead of in the ring. And yeah. And the, the, the backstory for this one, some of the backstory um, is that, you know, like you said, nature boy is the co-owner at this point and he gets mad at the undertaker for attacking the rock and they get to brawling in the audience at SmackDown and flair knocks out a fan. So, you know, just when he thought that he was out, they pull him back in. Right. And then, Flair is removed from his administrative role uh, if he insists on pressing his feud with 
the Undertaker. And of course, you know, the man's not going to back down from from a feud with anybody. So Ric Flair is like, yeah, hell with it. I'll, I'll beat up the Undertaker and, you know, take whatever administrative uh, consequences come my way. So yeah. and thank thank God he did. Thank God that Ric Flair was just too crazy for the front office. And these guys put together some really great spots as well. Like there's a massive superplex that Taker lands on Flair at one point that that's, that's on my list of oh shit moments of possible oh shit moments is that that's superplex. Like Flair taking that from the top rope is just from a guy that's six foot 10, like Flair got way, way up in the air and they landed real hard. Um, yeah. There's a blind side by Arn Anderson in this match too. Arn lands an amazing spine buster on the Undertaker that is just devastating and comes out of nowhere and is really exciting. And then I also remembered watching this uh, originally uh, back when it first was on and seeing Flair lock the the figure four on the Undertaker. And I'm sitting there going, "Is Ric Flair really going to end the streak? Is is yeah. is this it for the Taker?" But no, it's not. You know, but like they did such good storytelling that when I originally watched this, I literally thought that this was it for the undertaker, that Ric Flair was going to win and he's going to get out of it. Yeah. He may, he makes it, he makes it through. He goes for uh, the last ride, which is his finisher at this time, but he's just too beat to get Ric Flair up there all the way. Uh, but then he does get him with the tombstone and the pin um, that takes him to 10 and 0. Um, yeah. so I'm pretty sure he kudos. wasn't supposed to do the tomb, the tombstone pile driver anymore, but Ric Flair being old school and from, you know, this background, they probably got special permission. And like, he was like, I want you to pile drive me. <laughs> like, yeah. So it would help if you could snap my neck in half. Like they used yeah, to please. All right. So that great match. Fan, fantastic. Uh, if you're looking for highlights from this particular WrestleMania, that's, that's one you don't want to miss. So moving on, uh, we have the edge. Um, not the edge. That's the guy from YouTube. We have edge versus Booker T. Yeah. This match. I, you know, this one, this one, you know, bothers me a little bit. I'll be honest with you. I mean, why is that? Well, I mean, there was zero pop for Booker T coming out again. So it's another WCW guy that the crowd probably isn't very familiar with still, um, coming out. Um, and then it doesn't help that he's fighting edge. Who's a local boy and his face at the time, but like, Booker T was a four-time champion in WCW. Um, he was he was in the top over there as a solo performer. Plus, he was a good, good, amazing tag team partner in uh, Harlem Heat. Um, and he worked with Sherry during that time and stuff like that. So it's just weird to see a four-time champion in WCW is sitting mid-card in a beer match um, after The Undertaker and Flair against Edge, who is just now going into solo work. Yeah. Um, and Booker T, his gimmick at this point, it's it's kind of insulting. Like he's he's playing this like stereotypical, like dumb street guy. Just like he doesn't know what he's talking about. He doesn't know how to pronounce words right. He doesn't know how to put sentences together and stuff. It's kind of uncomfortable. And then, yeah, I, yeah we're probably going to talk about this a little bit more in a popcorn match. Yeah, it hasn't aged uh, particularly well. And there's there's a... There's quite a bit that we can say about about black performers in in WrestleMania in particular, um, without even kind of venturing past WrestleMania to you know, sort of the, the business as a whole. And like Rich said, we're going to do a, a popcorn match. Uh, it is you know it's Black yeah. History Month. We want to talk a little bit about representation um, at WrestleManias and in the WWE. So um, so keep an eye out for that real soon. We'll try to get that down. Yeah, the only thing. 
that right. I'll tease is that like Lawrence Taylor is the first black solo performer to be in a main event at a WrestleMania. Hmm. Um, WrestleMania seven, eight, nine had zero black performers on the card. It's, it's an issue. And like WrestleMania 11, where Lawrence Taylor's in the main events again, Ben's bam, bam, Bigelow. He's the only black performer on the entire card that night. That's crazy. Yeah. And then here's Booker T coming out and it's like, it's so startling that there's a black guy suddenly on WrestleMania in a solo match that like me, a white guy noticed and thought about it. Like, <laughs> yeah, I literally had to sit there and like, when was the last time I saw a black guy on WrestleMania? That isn't the rock. Yeah. And it was, I had to Google it. I had to look it up. So, wow. um, and because of that Googling, we got a lot of stuff that we want to talk about later. Yeah. Um, in terms of this one, I, I, I'm with you. I'm not really into either Edge or Christian as, as solos. They, they, I know they have their fans. I, they, neither of them tend to do anything for me. I think their tag teams sort of were their best days. Uh, Booker T's music, his catchphrase, his, uh, his ring work is, is all so amazing. Um, I, I always really, I really liked him. I'm glad that he is here now in the WWE. I'm glad that he's kind of starting to get his, uh, his big push where he really becomes, you know, a, a big guy there. So, yeah. Um, and he's, um, he looks like an action figure. Like he's, he's so ripped. He's a living action figure and he's super flexible. It's ridiculous, but the match yeah. was sloppy. And the only thing that really carried it for me was Booker T's charisma and right. the spin Rooney and like the high kicks and stuff like that, that he does. Yeah. Every time he misses one of those scissor kicks, I think he's going to hyperextend his knee. Like it just, it's it impressive. Looks really uncomfortable. I would never walk again if I did that. No. So, but uh, yeah, I agree. And I, and I do wonder if it is because, you know, he's so new to WWE at this point that like, you know, maybe he and um, edge haven't had much of a chance to uh, work together very often. So no. And I mean, edge is still new to the solo game too, at this point. Yeah, I mean, so there there was a pretty ugly botch from of a Hurricanrana from the second rope that was very telling of of where these guys were with each other. Booker T puts Edge over in the end too, which uh, it felt weird to me too. Um, but he, Edge wins it with a modified DDT called that he calls the Edge Executioner. At least they- we didn't have a, a, a concerto in this one. So <laughs> thank God. All right. Well, so moving on. And like I said, we'll get back to sort of the um, the bigger issue of sort of, of black representation and, and WrestleMania. We'll talk a little bit more about that in a future popcorn match episode. So uh, so after these guys finish up, there's more backstage hardcore nonsense. Hurricane Helms is back. Yay. Um, his sidekick, Mighty Molly, Molly Holly, um, comes and cracks him in the back of the head with a frying pan to take that the was, hardcore title. That looked a, that looked real. That was that yeah. was that was rough. I yeah. I cringed really hard when she hit him with that cast iron pan. I think it looked heavy as fuck. And it, yeah. It made a very telling sound. I hope that it didn't cause any permanent damage for Mr. Helms. And his so. left eye probably doesn't move anymore. But. <laughs> oh, man. That's awful. All right. Um, so moving on, we've got uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin, uh, one of my personal favorites, versus Scott Hall uh, with Kevin Nash and Scott Hall's corner for the NWO. And again, Richie ran down the, the background here with the kidnapping, the tire irons, the cinder blocks, the trucks, the spray paint. Uh, oh, I wrote, also wrote that he locked uh, Scott Hall in a freezer at one point um, while duct taped to the chair. Yeah. Um, so we shouldn't neglect that. Um, stone cold is totally sane at this point 
he's right. normal. Yeah, no. He's a normal, he's a normal everyday Joe, you know? Totally. So his, um, you know, his entrance is, is awesome as always the glass break. You know, last time there was some lyrics to his entrance music that we kind of were weirded us out a little bit. Yeah. We had never noticed it before. Um, but I, our guess is that they had a live performer for that one. Um, Cause it's back to being just instrumental this time. So thank God for that. And he's also wearing a vest that says alcohol fuel on the back, um, to which I have to say, me too. Um, yeah, so that that's eh, it's a little rough now that like I just recently watched that Scott Hall documentary and learned that he was not sober in this match, that he oh, well. was incredibly drunk. Um, and he actually mentions this match. But that does, uh, that does that puts a new spin on him, uh, yeah. you know, in Austin's uh, post match celebration. I, yeah, I didn't, um, I kind of wish I didn't know that. Uh, yeah, oh, well. sorry. <laughs> yeah. Ruined. um thanks yeah i did even even drunk um scott hall was throwing some great punches in this match mm-hmm. they exchanged some really good chops with each other yeah i i did enjoy this match but there was some weird things happening and i think it was because scott was not all there and mm-hmm. so i think there was some blocking issues uh, to use a theater term at one point Austin is moving around oddly and is trying to retrieve a chair that had fallen out of the ring from the ring apron. So like he's been knocked down and he's like dangling weird, trying to reach behind him to grab this chair from the floor that was in the ring. This is another match that's going to trigger the referee union to, to file a grievance. Um, Two refs (laughs) get taken out in this match. They send out a whole uh, crowd of zebras at one point to clear Kevin Nash out from ringside and send him yeah. off to the showers. He was, they, they had enough. He's, he's uh, doing too much interference down there. Yeah. yeah there were some spots where like Scott Hall needs to do like a little bit of like a jump or something like that to help Austin get stuff done and stuff like that. And he's just like missing the timing of them. And mm-hmm. it's, and so it's a little bit of a sloppy match when they tried to do technical stuff. Yeah, I think so. One of the one of the moments that I really liked in this one um, is the the double stunners at the end. Yeah, um, Austin hits on Hall, and the second one, Hall pops up in the air like a freaking jumping bean to sell that that stunner. Um, it's it's maybe almost a little bit over the top, but it's it's pretty incredible. So, and that's the yeah. that's the one that that wins it for him, of course. It's, it was always interesting to hear that like Stone Cold really thought that Bret Hart's almost no sell of the of the stunner was was his favorite method. Like Bret Hart would just take it and then fall over, while all these other guys would like take it and go flying in the air from it and stuff like that. So that's interesting. But, I hadn't heard but that it before. was. It was interesting. Uh, it was a good ending, though. Um, and I also thought that the match was the perfect length. That I was not, I was engaged the entire time, and it ended when I wanted it to end. Yeah. <laughs> um, I do like that the WWF is presenting the NWO as vulnerable. So when they're in WCW, they seemed unstoppable, and they're just a steamroller, just like they never lost. And they like the only way to, to not be beaten up by the NWO was to join them. And this, yeah, it. Like for a while it worked, but after like six months, it got a little, it got a little tired. And then the NWO just like dominated Nitro for four years. It was the dominant storyline. Yeah. There's not, there's not a lot of places to go with that. Right. Like once, once you establish it, Oh, look, these guys are so tough. They can't be beat. They come in and they, they whoop the shit out of everybody. Um, You know, where do you go from there? Right. You have to almost bring in a new talent or you have to start a counter faction that is strong enough when they team up or something but yeah you've you kind of paint yourself into a corner at one point so it is it's good that you can kind of see the them starting to fray here a little bit in this wrestlemania we'll, we'll talk a little bit about the 
uh, Rock versus Hogan match as well, where um, some of the the seams are showing, as they say. Yeah, and I think it's it's you know it also has to be a passive jab at Eric Bischoff and like, oh yeah, you have the NWO that was like seemingly such a genius idea, but ended up being the downfall of your company, and here we are beating the shit out of them on WrestleMania. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, making we're making it work for us. So, um, last thing I'll mention about this particular match is at the end after Austin wins, he goes into each corner um you know in a row in succession and catches a beer and does his chug thing in all four corners and he catches each one of those goddamn beers single-handedly no fumbling doesn't catch it against his chest he just he catches it like straight out with his hands like a wide receiver i don't know how the hell he did that like he has to be covered in sweat after a match like that uh after the second beer or third beer he's Hands are probably also covered in in beer, so I don't know. I'm surprised that you know. I guess his knees were kind of shot by this point. He's taking some hits to the head too, and he's still yeah. like making these catches, snagging them out of the air. Like it's <laughs> it, was super, it was super impressive. I know that's not the sort of thing that you're supposed to pay attention to, but like I'm like, God damn, look at him go. I hope they also had a ride home after that because you know you guys you want to you want to stay safe and drive sober out there. All right, so moving on, uh, we've got another. So the last couple of WrestleManias, we've had some multi-party tag team matches with all kinds of stipulations tables and ladders and chairs and god knows what else Um, so we've got another one of those uh and i i would say unfortunately uh, i think we're kind of starting to to circle the drain on this particular particular brand of uh, of match but this is uh billy and chuck uh, versus the apa accolade protection agency that's farouk and bradshaw Versus the Dudley Boys with a Z, Bubba Ray and Devon, uh, with Stacy Keebler, who Rich has a good story about. Oh yeah. Um, versus the Hardy Boys, also with a Z. That's Matt and Jeff, of course. And this is a four corners elimination match for the WWF Tag Team Championship. So the gimmick is that each team gets pinned. They they get out of there and until only two teams remain, and of course you get a a new champion. So there's uh, there's another musical interlude with uh, saliva. Uh, before this match, of course, um, this song has the refrain, get the tables. Um, so, yeah. And they also go to the, um, they show footage of the WrestleMania access event too. Ugh. And one of the lead and the lead into this bit is a shot of a, like a teenager grabbing a pervy statue. That's made of Stacy Keebler's ass and legs. <laughs> I saw that. That's right. And it's very uncomfortable and, and weird. And then, yeah. And then they queue up saliva and the Dudleys start dancing with them. And Stacey Keebler's grinding on the lead singer of, of saliva. And yeah, yeah, there, there's, there's a lot going on here. When we, we talked about the APA last time, Bradshaw and Farouk and how much we love watching them beat the ever loving shit out of people. I was disappointed that they got taken out of this match first. I think they should have stayed in and beat the crap out of people for a little bit longer. Yeah. I mean, that was, that would have been nice. Um, <laughs> But Bradshaw is just throwing clotheslines on everybody. They had to get, they had to get him out of there somehow. Um, he's he's going to kill somebody. Um, as Damn, shut him saying. down. Um, but I did like this match. I norm- yeah. like I have a tough time with tag team matches frequently, especially when there's multiple tag teams involved. But I enjoyed this match. It seemed like they really took their time in the back planning the spots that would eliminate each team. And that they really thought about it, how to make each team look good and powerful without 
being just thrown out or like having one team just lay off onto the side for 30 minutes or whatever they do in modern day wrestling nowadays. So it was interesting. And the elimination of the APA was quite interesting. Like Bradshaw lands a hellacious clothesline and he turns around as he's getting up from landing it and walks right into a 3d from the Dudleys and gets pinned and knocked out. And it's like, that was a pretty spectacular spot. Yeah. Yeah. And I got, all right. That, that, that's okay. You know, if you're going to take out somebody that size, right. That's how you have to do yeah. it. Yeah. I would, I agree with you. Like, I think, you know, with that many tag teams, you've got, I mean, there, and you've got a couple different styles going there too, right? Like the Hardys definitely work differently than the, um, right. Than the APA. And, and so uh, I think it, it definitely shows that they had to, sort of block some of this out probably a little bit more than usual even just so it wasn't complete chaos yeah i mean but like a t- frequently in these in these matches you see someone like they take like a fairly bland move and they're pinned and they're out of there yeah um like but this time it was like each team got to do their thing and stuff like that and it looked but it all made sense too it wasn't just like they're moving through choreography everything right. made sense jeff hardy looked really pale <laughs> um, he needs to get I, out in the sun. I think one of the one of the better um, developments in recent wrestling is is Jeff Hardy keeping his shirt on. Yeah, because so he took his shirt off of at this, and like every girl in the Sky Dome lost their shit again. Yeah, um, I, I don't get it. I you know, but so yeah, so he takes his shirt off, and then he slaps Stacy Keebler on the ass, and right. then sort of like grabs her and forcibly kisses her, which yeah, you know, obviously you know hashtag Me Too. It's not, not that's not cool, Jeff. Um, so Stacy Keebler is a Maryland girl. That's, that's what we're is. recording in Maryland. So you you came across her, right? Yeah, I met her before she was super famous. Um, she was a cheerleader at Towson University, and I was a student at a rival UMBC. And every year, the basketball teams would face each other, and I was in the pep band, and she was in their cheerleading squad. And you can't help but notice someone with forty-two inch legs, you know, doing <laughs> kicks. And like, we've said hi to each other and, you know, because, you know, I'm a band geek and she's Stacey Keebler. So that's about as much as what was going to happen. Um, But yes, I have, I have seen her in person before she was famous. That's, that's a, that's a big deal. I don't think I have any stories like that. I've spent New Year's at the uh, local weatherman's house one time in high wow. school. That's that's as close as I got. Shout out to Doug Allen. W. Did he uh, touch you? He did not. He, okay. His uh, his wife made some lovely champagne punch and gave me a kiss at, on the cheek at, at New Year's. And she was super hot. Um, and I was Aww. like 16. So uh, it was. It and was then a, you had to go home and night. ring in the New Year yourself. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I rang it in. All right. So. <laughs> But uh, yeah, no, that's cool. So you heard it here first, Rich and Rich and Stacy Keebler, uh, torrid dating history, um, rival, <laughs> rival universities, a real, a real Romeo and Juliet without all the suicides. Star-crossed strangers. That's right, <laughs> star-crossed strangers. Um, oh yeah, we so we were talking about this match. Um, oh yeah, yeah. I uh, kind of forget. Kind of um, lost speaking my place of Stacy in this match, at one point she is bent over the side of the ring apron, like cheering on the Dudleys. And you can see every single guy in the ring, in the crowd behind her get their camera out and take upskirt pictures of her. Oh no! Um, yeah, um, so I'm sure those are floating around on the internet because the yeah. internet never forgets anything. Um, I thought Canadians if, were supposed to be more polite than that. No, um, they still are horny. So yeah. <laughs> it gets it gets pretty cold up there. Yeah. So um, um, yeah. Anyway, um, before we get ourselves 
cancel here. Well, um, let's see what happens. Matt Matt Hardy eliminates the Dudleys by pinning Bubba. Billy um, pushes Devon off the top turnbuckle. He goes flying into a table, and then Je- uh, Chuck gets a I, I'd say sort of an anticlimactic pin on Jeff to yeah. get, the, get the win. After all of that, it's just kind of like, oh, okay. Yeah, the finish of this match was a little stale, but everything else I thought was excellent. Yeah. Um, and I actually noted here that this may be one of the best tag team matches we've seen in a long time on WrestleMania. Um, yeah, they've been pretty rough. I think, you know, some of the early, early WrestleManias, you know, the tag team division just got a lot more attention, right? And you also think about some of the, the talent, you know, the British Bulldogs and the Hart Foundation. Yeah. And um, it's been sort of an afterthought for quite a while. Yeah, and I mean, this is like the the renaissance of tag team wrestling happening in WWF at this point with so many actual like established tag teams. But, you know, it's still it doesn't still like really hold your attention very well. So, yeah, especially well, considering I, like the main event of WrestleMania one was a tag match. Right. So. <laughs> well, and I think, you know, uh, Vince McMahon has, has been on record for a long time saying that, you know, he doesn't think that tag team matches sell tickets right, and, uh, right. Doesn't, the, they don't make money so and he doesn't um, even like stables or anything like that yeah. anymore too so so you kind of know where you know his head's at um in yeah. terms of how much attention they pay all right one more thing about this match and i know we, we do our sign alerts at the end but i had to do a special one here somebody just holds up a sign that says noid um a shout out to the uh the domino's brand character we will take your sponsorship domino's <laughs> we love your pizza all right, so let's time. Let's let's get into it. This is this is what we all came to see. It's The Rock uh, versus Hollywood Hulk Hogan. There's a little NWO promo ahead of the of this match. There's a video package with The Rock trying to get Hogan to remember his glory days when the people loved him and wasn't he when when he wasn't a black clad jerk face with suspect stubble. And then of course we finally get to the ring and it's time to uh, get down to business. The first thing I noticed was that. Hogan has a bit of the uh, Ric Flair body happening at this <laughs> yeah. point. So, I mean, things Hogan, are starting to slide south a bit. Yeah, he's, he's getting uh, he's getting up there. I mean, I wish I had that kind of muscle tone. Right. So the Sky Dome exploded. Like, I thought it was going to literally explode when The Rock's music hit. That place went crazy. Yeah. The Rock. Like, I can't. I don't think anyone's ever been that over since this this entrance. He's. Yeah. Again, he his run his run um you know kind of along with austin i think you know are just unrivaled in terms of how over there he was and and the the investment and the fans into into what he was doing yeah so they get they get down to the ring and there's a really awesome sort of stare down before they before they do anything that i thought was super intense i love seeing oh, those yeah. two together lots of chills they're just yeah they're just sucking up the energy from the crowd yeah that was great um, they get to their first exchange and and Hogan gets the better of the rock, uh, kind of tosses him a little bit and rock gets down and sort of sells the surprise while Hogan flexes. So, and you can kind of see the rock, you know, with his facials and stuff. He's like, all right, I gotta, I gotta take this old man seriously. Right. He's like, I was going to yeah. come in here and just rely on my athleticism, but I'm going to have to really get down to it for, yeah. to take care of this. And you can hear the crowd change sides too. Yeah, instantly. Yeah, it's just like the crowd is just like they're they're out of control and they don't know what to do, and suddenly they're cheering for Hogan. Yeah, that was incredible. Honestly, they start they went they went. It's like they turned on a dime. It's like if you ever watch a, a flock of birds like all like change direction simultaneously in mid flight. It was like yeah. that. And like it gets it gets so rough that the Rocky sucks chant starts. Yeah. 
um, that they, they bring it back so hard for Hogan. They boo the shit out of him every every time The Rock makes a move. They just they, they boo him mercilessly. So um, I think I, I got a I I got my own chills when you see Hogan uh, smile a little bit as he kind of starts to get into it. You know, yeah. Um, he tries some actual wrestling moves, which is um, very it's awkward. Never good. It's, not, it's never good. It's not <laughs> something that we really see much of. You know, he does some kind of weird abdominal stretch into a roll-up that's you know that i wouldn't recommend watching yeah um, i don't know if he's still feeling guilty over his whole like bob backland refusing to lose to him because he's yeah. not an amateur trained or and he's trying to prove that to bob backland yeah. still i don't know why he still was trying to do that stuff it, we know what you're there for we're there for you to get beat up and then start shaking right and then leg drop that's leg drop. the big boot and then leg drop that's what we're here for we know the Hogan formula, yeah. Um, but it was interesting that as he like lands some stuff on the rock, he looks to be gaining confidence, and he's suddenly like holding his posture a little different, and he starts holding himself more like a younger Hulk Hogan, and and is like shaking his head and whipping those like sweat dreads around, and like pointing and shaking his finger at the rock, and like it's like you suddenly see the old Hulk Hogan of yesteryear come out yeah he switches it on too right you know and i think yeah you know the so the pop and the initial reaction to to somebody is one thing but then they get into the ring and that's can they still do it right? right um and so you know he he shows pretty quickly that he's that he's still got it um he goes back to some of his old kind of healing um maneuvers i would say uh, he, he does the you know the head punches in the corner and he bites the rock um he yeah has some kind of weak ass chokes while the rock is down he pulls the wrist tape off to choke him you know shades of him using his uh using king kong bundy's singlet to to choke him way back in the early wrestlemania so that's that's kind of you know we we've talked before about hogan actually being a bit of a heel um yeah his entire life his entire life um, um so that was that was kind of fun to see here and he takes a rock bottom and then he hulks up and it's like yeah. that's that was like such a good moment that was like a amazing little spot in there that like he lands the rock lands that and then hogan just like is up and he's shaking and he's yeah. just like shaking and shaking and shaking and like the rock just starts selling everything that hogan throws at him so well yeah yeah he really put he really puts him over right and then you know, we get finally the hawk up comes you know the, the three punches the big boot the leg drop the cover uh and rock of course kicks out of and the I, hawk I, up. I noted at that point so i guess hogan is fucked now right um <laughs> yeah lots you know lots has changed in 15 years that doesn't cut it anymore you know no um and then the rock lands to people's elbow and the crowd is suddenly on his side again right it's yeah. all over the place yeah it's crazy they, they um so they take turns whipping each other with the with the weight belt so i you know i'm not sure how we're supposed to sort of parse that one for whose heel and whose face um the rock it doesn't hits. matter at this point anymore i guess it doesn't matter he hits three rock bottoms on him, the people's elbow, and then the pin. And after that second rock bottom, I know that's when the crowd really kind of like turns around again for the rock. Um, yeah. Now all of a sudden they're on his side, uh, and they and because I think I think you know the way I read it is like he's persevered through uh, an opponent who turned out to be much tougher than he than he or anyone else realized, right? Right. So like he's been kind of this like everything leading up is this been like casting hogan as a wash up has been to where like the whole thing starts because hogan is asking the rock for an autograph and a photo right. for his son you know hogan is standing there and at the end of this match and it's like 
one of the most moving WrestleMania moments I can recall. And like Hogan is now standing there hobbled and looking old. Like he's changed his posture back to like just looking beaten and defeated and looking really vulnerable and that like and then he comes to the rock wanting a handshake. Yeah, I thought it was was poignant. Um better acting from Hogan here than um in any of his his Hollywood this is, films. This is Hogan's best WrestleMania match in my opinion. Like this is it. Yeah. Hundred um, percent. I mean him versus Ultimate Warrior was pretty incredible, even though it's 30 minutes of a test of strength hold. Yeah. Um, but yeah. him and The Rock put on a show that just brings the house down and just destroys everything. And then the NW, the rest of the NWO comes out and attacks Hogan. And The Rock then helps Hogan beat off Hall and Nash. And then like Hogan is like trying to leave and the rock pulls him back in that make him start doing the pose and do the, the pose do the pose, do the pose yeah. with the ear thing then like calling for the crowd to cheer for the poses and stuff and it's just it's really an amazing uh moment it's a wrestlemania moment as wwf yeah. would call it um yeah and it's absolutely. probably one of the best ones that we've seen yeah so um on the blog when we were still doing this as a blog you know when we we got to WrestleMania 10 we kind of ran down the first 10 and we sort of ranked our, uh, you know, our favorite moments from those 10. And I think, you know, when we get to 20 and we start doing the same for this batch of WrestleManias, uh, this is, this is definitely up there. And I think I would say it's up there for all of WrestleManias. Um, yeah. Like I said, very, very poignant. I really like the rock, the kind of the show of respect, uh, letting him, you know, making some space for him to do the pose and kind of egging him on a little bit. And then they walk out of the ring together um, and they stop at the top of the ramp and sort of shake hands and, you know, hold each other's arms up and stuff. It's great. Yeah. So. Cause I mean, it could have gone the other direction where it's like Andre the giant after Hogan beat him at WrestleMania three and he's on the little cart being wheeled back, humiliated and trash being thrown at him right. and stuff, you know, cause Hogan was a bad guy. He was NWO, but they went the respectful route and it made a much more moving moment. I didn't actually, I didn't have much in the way of expectations for this match. I hadn't seen it before, you know, based on our sort of experiences with Hulk Hogan and WrestleMania, I have to say, you know, you usually know pretty much what, what you're going to get, right. it's what it says on the tin, you know, he's right. going to do, um, you know, six or seven minutes uh, and then hit the, the Hulk up the three punches, the leg, the big boot and the leg drop. Um, and this is not that at all. And so I think it's, I think it's great. I think it's a really show of talent for both men. It shows rock as um, a really, somebody who really knows how to sell, how to work with um, somebody else who's sort of drastically different styles. And for Hogan, it shows that, you know, there is, you know, the storytelling aspect to what he can do and that he can adapt, you know, he's, he's, he's still the, you know, the hawk up big boot leg drop guy, but he can also, he can do a little bit more than that. So, so um, there's an interlude at uh, WWF New York, the, the theme restaurant, um, that big show picks up a small child. And I thought, I swear to God, I thought he was going to eat her. Um, yeah. Just imagine being like big show is talking to creative and like creatives like, all right, big show. Um, WrestleMania is going to be in Toronto. So we've booked you a flight to New York. Yeah. Um, we need you to go down to the theme restaurant in Times Square and just kind of hang out a little bit. Maybe uh, eat some wings. Pick poor up big a small show. child. Yeah. Poor big show. <laughs> All right. So, um, you know, I have to say this, obviously, this is not the main event of this show, which is kind of a, um, it's an understandable move because, you know, there's usually a championship on the line for the main event. On the other hand, given the star power of these two guys, 
Yeah. Uh, I think it's absolutely misguided to not put this at the end of the show. And the rest of the show sort of suffers by comparison. The yeah, next I mean, match. It oh, wouldn't have been the first time that they didn't put the title at the end of the show. Yeah, like, you I don't, don't have to do it. It's not yeah. in writing, you know? I don't know. It really, it as good as it is, it really sucks the air out of the rest of the event. And the yes. crowd is, the crowd is spent, you know, I, I was spent watching it on video. Yeah. Like, I, like I paused it. Effect. I paused it and I was like, there's still another hour. What? <laughs> What? I need a sandwich. Well, anyway, so then, so we get a Jazz versus Trish Stratish versus Lita triple threat match for the WWF Women's Championship. And it's actually, you know, kind of a shame that this is, this is the highest profile women's match we've seen in a WrestleMania yeah. so far. It's um, the next to last event, which is a big deal. It's got um, some big stars here. Um, all three of those women actually can, can work in our, our, fun yeah, to watch. This was, um, this was a, actually, it was, it was a good match for being yeah. in a triple threat. I normally don't like triple threats, but they worked, they worked really hard. There was like real wrestling happening. It wasn't just like some models slapping each other. And like, yeah, right. um, this was, this was a real match yeah, and it was good. It was good. And it's, and it's, and it's short. Like they don't, you know, they don't yeah. screw around for, for way too long. Um, Jazz um, beats Trish and Lita to, uh, to take the women's championship. Jazz is another person actually who I, who I didn't, I sort of missed her run. Uh, she was kind of in between when I wasn't paying much attention, but she's actually really good and fun to watch. Yeah. I've heard um, like Cornette and others talk about working with her and that she was actually one of the better ones on the roster. Yeah. And there was some ugliness though, in this match too, that like Trish landed a really potato of a kick on Lita to the yeah. head. Thanks. And then they had an incidental uh, head collision too. And both of them went down and it was Trish was yeah. very visibly stunned and like stumbled around a little bit, um, but they still pulled off a decent finish and sent jazz packing with the belt. So now we're on to the supposed main event here, um, which is triple H versus Chris Jericho. Who's hanging out with Stephanie McMahon. Um, you know, again, seriously, like one of these guys should have like after watching that that match, they should have been like, you know, I have explosive diarrhea. Let's let's just cut it. Yeah, we can we can do this tomorrow at Raw. Right. Right. No earthly reason to do to do this match tonight. Yeah. But, you know, Triple H didn't win the Royal Rumble to main event the Raw after <laughs> WrestleMania. So I noted that this is just more of trying to shove Triple H down our throat. Like, Ugh, please. Tired of him. Me too. And he's not even like his big run yet, and I'm tired of him. <laughs> yeah, we're we're just sort of getting to it. Um, I think it becomes a little bit insufferable, honestly. There's some more um really shitty new metal music. Um, was this actually I wrote saliva, but was this saliva or drowning pool? I don't it doesn't matter. It might have um, been drowning pool covering his theme song, but it's just like motorhead couldn't have been that expensive. Yeah, <laughs> or that busy. Just bring them back again. It's okay. You already have a setup for two bands. It's set up for a third. It's fine. It's yeah. Motorhead. People are going to love it. The, the story that they're selling here is Triple H's injured thigh. Uh, the announcers are chatting it up the entire time, expecting yeah. it to be a huge problem for him. And of course, Jericho goes to work on that leg immediately, which you would expect him to do because he's a professional. Um, Stephanie is is sort of causing problems at, at ringside and gets kind of run over a couple times for her trouble. Um, catches a pedigree from her future husband. Yeah. Um, the Spanish announcers table gets destroyed by a back body drop, which you know we're always fans of. Um, I, I don't give a fuck, honestly. Yeah. Triple I H. mean, Triple H has so many muscles he couldn't put his arms down. I don't know if you noticed that. Like he he could not put his <laughs> arms at his side. Yeah. Um, the injury that he's returning from was real, and it's very horrific. You can see it happen on Raw. 
Oh no. On the Monday night raw, you can see his quad tear from the bone and like ripple up his leg. It's, it's, well, yeah. Is it is it better or worse than the infamous uh, Sid Vicious? Uh, oh, I mean, the, the Sid Vicious incident is is on another level. That is like okay. the most horrific thing to watch as a human being, not just in okay. professional wrestling, but like just as a as if anybody has an ounce of empathy in them, they cannot watch that video. Yeah, um, be a good uh, yeah. test for psychopaths. You know, yeah, psychiatrists. Here, watch this video and and tell me about your reaction. It's it's negative ASMR. Uh, that's, yeah. <laughs> that's what that video is and then uh, i did notice that like uh jr condones triple h throwing stephanie mcmahon in the ring saying yeah. that she asked for it um, but then he doesn't want triple h to give her a pedigree it's like i'm pretty sure yes. steph broke her hand in this match uh she oh, really she slapped triple h really hard and like the follow-through she hits the ring post straight oh, with her hand ouch. that looked horrible yeah. um and I thought that uh, Jericho did a really great job in this match of uh, pulling out all the stops to to work yeah. on that injured quad with the walls of Jericho, constantly going for the walls of Jericho, putting weird holds on him and like punching it, just to straight up punching and kicking the leg too. Yeah. Um, Jericho is really doing some old school classic work in this match. Yeah. I, you know, for as much as we kind of shit on Jericho these days, honestly, um, he, he really has some, uh, some outstanding work for, during this period, you know, when he's yeah. like, sort of in, in peak physical shape, he really knows obviously what he's doing. He, he takes his time. Um, he sells stuff really well. I, he's, he's actually pretty, pretty fun to watch here. So, yeah. And he's um, great on the mic too. Yeah. Um, at this point too. Um, um, Triple H gets the pedigree of course, and the undisputed championship. I don't know. I feel like I'm giving these guys short shrift a little bit, but like it was, it was just really, even with a break, and a sandwich yeah. it was just really hard for me to get back into this event after that yeah i mean they actually did do some decent work at the end yeah. too there was some good reversals that led to the end all right so that gets us to the end of the event um so you know again what we usually do at this point is kind of run down our superlatives um best match what, what do you got uh my best match i mean it's it's rock versus hogan mm-hmm. um you know, and I noticed that like we we have shit on Hogan a lot in the past, yeah. um, but when it always comes down to it, almost every single time Hogan is the best match of the card on WrestleMania. <laughs> it just when if he's on the card, he's winning it. Um, I think the only time I didn't give it to him was like Hogan versus Sid. I think that might have been the only time I wasn't like Hogan was the best match. Um, yeah, but like it hurts a little bit to say. Yeah, but Hogan yeah. versus Macho Man was the best match. Hogan versus Ultimate Warrior was the best match, and you just it just happens every single damn time. But this match had incredible storytelling. You see the rise and fall of Hulk Hogan in this match. Um, there was a lot of clean spots and the pacing of the match was great to allow each man to get those pops and his energy and without being boring. And then to see Hogan showing weakness and really, really showing his age and that like, this is the end of his run. This is, he's done being a main eventer. It's almost like watching Lou Gehrig, like retire live or something like that. Like it, it was, yeah. it was a moment, you know? Yeah. It it's, a, it's an end of an era, right? You kind of know, watching that that he's not going to have another one like this right because there's also right. i think there's not really any other star like the rock you know on on the horizon you know at this point in the in the company and i mean probably ever since honestly but it i mean i'm with you it reminded me on just of how huge a star he was and also why he had gotten 
to that level. Right. You know? I mean, um, I think, you know, I was sort of torn actually when I went to write this up, I thought that Undertaker Flair actually um, is also outstanding and one of the best matches we've seen. Um, and they're very different and, um, but great in their own ways. But I, I you know, I'm, I'm with you with best match for me, um, Rock versus Hogan. And, you know, we've probably talked about it for 15 minutes. Right. Um, <laughs> straight on this episode but all right what about the worst match oh man i had i had to mull over this one a lot i had to like scroll through my notes and and like really really picture it and i think i had to settle on christian versus ddp yeah um i didn't get a sense that there was chemistry between them i felt that like christian uh, you know he's he's really green with working solo he's used to having a tag partner that can carry him and meanwhile Diamond Dallas Page is a former champion. Christian's face. Oh my God. Christian's face. Just stop it. Oh, Jesus. I don't want to. Oh God. It's so bad. Like any it's his face is puffy. Like he's doing steroids now or something. He's got the moon face happening. Like he was on a prednisone pack and like, he just like, he like squints and looks up and like, like, uh, God, I, I don't want to see it again. And that's why this is my worst match. That, that's fair. Worst match for, um, for Christian's face. I, um, yeah, I, I agree that that one didn't do a lot for me. Um, again, you know, and I really, I really like watching DDP. Um, but for me, I would say it's the hardcore match. Uh, I love gold dust, Dustin Reynolds. Um, and this is a waste of his considerable talents. I think, mm. um, you know, and I've, we've also talked about, I have a really short attention span for the hardcore stuff and you can always smack people with the trash cans so many times, even if it's painted gold. I think the moment when Molly Holly brains Hurricane Helms with a honest to God frying pan uh, was more interesting than than most of what happened in this hardcore match. So. Yeah, and the when she gets caught by the Dutch door too, that was pretty that was pretty amusing. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that was intended. Yeah. So all right. So what um, about your um, oh shit moment for this uh, this WrestleMania? I put down. Um, the entire Undertaker versus Flair match. I I was really like you. I was torn between Rock and Hogan and Undertaker Flair for best match, but I had to go with Rock versus Hogan because the storytelling and it was an actual wrestling match. While Undertaker and Flair just went out there and had a fight. They just threw it down and they beat the crap out of each other. Um, it looked like an old school NWA like brawl fight, uh, like. Like you could have put like Harley Race and Dusty Rhodes in this match. Yeah. And it would have been amazing. And they 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 worked so well together in it too. Like they seemed to like know what each other was going to do and they knew how to make it look good for each other. And then Flair getting color is always amazing. Just that that white mane turns red and then like his face, it's got the crimson mask and the hair going. Like no one gets blood like Flair. I don't know if he's got like an extra artery up in his forehead that like, just like that's always near the surface that all he needs to do is like rub his hair a little bit and like there's blood or what, but he always makes it look great. Yeah, for sure. Um, and so, yeah, so I, I kind of went back and forth as well. Kind of, there, there was some, so sometimes uh, when we watch these, there's, there's something that's like an obvious, oh shit moment, right? There's somebody to get tossed off of like a, 20 foot ladder or um, the rock takes Ken Shamrock's head off with a chair or right. um, Austin loses a gallon of blood. Um, and I had a sort of hard time coming up with a, a single moment. Um, I think um, the violence in that undertaker flare matches is, is top of the top of the list for me. Um, but I think I'm going to go with the 
the crowd turns in that Hogan versus oh, Rock yeah. match uh, because I did not see that coming. You know, we've had heel turns and double heel turns and double face turns and all those kinds of things in matches before. But I don't know that we've had the audience just sort of decide like, oh, we're going to root for this guy now, you know, and that not like to me, it didn't seem like The Rock or Hogan was trying to signal, OK, I'm I'm becoming the face now. Right. And you need to come along with me. They just did it. Uh, and I think that's that's the kind of interactivity and the the reaction that that is really unique to this particular um, art form, if I could use that word um, and not sound like a douche. Um, and I think that's what, I think that's the kind of thing that we really watch this for, right? Like you watch it for those moments when what's going on kind of takes you out of yourself and, um, and sort of shows you something that you, that you didn't expect. So, um, so great, great job, Toronto, Ontario, Canada, um, for really getting into that particular match. Um, not that, not that it would have been hard to do so, but that was a yeah. that was a really nice surprise for me. Yeah. So, how would you rate this WrestleMania for? Um, so I'd say I'd give it a, a four out of five, probably. Um, I think you know we've got two great matches, we've got a few duds, uh, and we've got a few solid ones in there. I think. Uh, I like the appearance of the WCW talent, especially the NWO and kind of the storylines with them. Um, I was really excited to see Booker T. Uh, I kind of wish that Booker T and Stone Cold had bigger roles in this WrestleMania, uh, but I think they mo- they both kind of make the most of what they're what they're given. So, you know, it's it's definitely it's definitely a good one. I'd say it's actually better than seventeen, which um, if you remember, we talked about Austin saying that he thought it was the best. WrestleMania and a lot of people think that one's the best WrestleMania. Actually, I feel like this one was was a bit better. Yeah, I I wasn't as optimistic about this WrestleMania, honestly. Of all the WrestleManias, this was one of them. Um Rock versus Hogan and Undertaker versus Flair really kept it out of the out of the bargain basement of WrestleManias for me. I don't know if it's just because like I don't like the talent in several of the matches. Like I I was never an Edge or Christian fan. I wasn't an Edgehead or anything like that. I was disappointed in uh, Diamond Dallas Page's role and in Booker T's role in this WrestleMania. Stone Cold versus uh, Scott Hall could have been far better. And I know that there was life circumstances happening with Scott Hall. And so you have to forgive the man. But at the same time, it's like as a as a fan, that could have been potentially a dream match. Um, both of them are wily veterans at this point and really know how to work. And Scott Hall just didn't. Yeah, um, that's, yeah that's really too bad. And so what, uh, what number are you sticking to this one? Uh, I'm because of those two amazing matches. I'm keeping it at a three out of five. Okay. Um, those two matches are just like so good. That's that's fair. On the end of each episode, we always end by by paying tribute to the people featured who are no longer with us. Uh, we think it's important to remember that for as much fun as the wrestling can be, it's also a tough business, uh, and the people involved in it put some serious wear and tear on their physical and mental health, um, and often end up going before their time. So I will say, actually, this is our shortest in memoriam list yeah. so far. Um, some of it is just the time period. Um, you know, 2002 is only 20 years ago at this point. But ring announcer Howard Finkel, um, Mr. Perfect Kurt Hennig, uh, again, who we'd last seen in the ring at WrestleMania 10, where he was a guest referee um, in the Luger versus Yokozuna match. Uh, and he was an interviewer at WrestleMania 12, so it was the last time we saw him. Um, Crash Holly and Andrew Test Martin are all along with us, so RIP to those guys. 
all right so we did the we did the wrap up we did the rating um that's all we've got for you today i hope you'll join us again soon at all the wrestlemanias.podbean.com or all the wrestlemanias.wordpress.com you can follow us on twitter at, at wrestlemaniapod or drop us an email at wrestlemaniablog at gmail.com uh, for so for now this is rich and tim we're signing off can you dig that sucker <laughs>